0: super talk mississippi media production come see the boutique on central in downtown laurel for the best deals in women's fine clothing let us complete your one-of-a-kind look at the boutique on central at 531 central avenue in downtown laurel you're listening to the rebel report podcast where it's all old Miss all the time Here's your host, Michael Borkey. Yes, that's right. Welcome into the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Glad that you guys are with me on this Wednesday of Georgia Tech week. Again, glad you guys are with me. Uh, we're actually getting rain here in the uh, in the area for the first time in what feels like years. So I hope if uh, if you're like me, your yard is uh, getting some of that because it deserves it. Jeez, everything's dying. Anyway, you're not here to listen to Yard Talk Mississippi, though. You are here to listen to uh, discussion about Ole Miss sports. So we're going to do that today. Livestream last night talked a lot uh, about uh, two things. Uh, We talked about Ole Miss on the injury front. Kind of updates, kind of not really on that front. Uh, Also talked about the beginning of conference play in the SEC, what I'm looking for in the Georgia Tech game. Uh, There were some state fans in there, so we talked about the conservatism of their offense and what they cannot do is that this weekend if they want to beat LSU. So really good conversation on the live chat, bringing that to you here on this Wednesday. Again, I'm Michael Borky. Please follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Michael Borky, B-O-R-K-E-Y, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get them. If you have not already, if you're listening on the website, Pull out your favorite podcast app, search Rubber Report, subscribe, and leave a rating and a review. And before we get into the live chat, I want to tell you that the podcast is brought to you by Priority One Bank. Let them make you their priority. they got 16 locations here in Mississippi, so there's likely one in your backyard. And every time you go, they will remember who you are. It's a friendly staff that lives, you know, in the same area that you do. So they will learn who you are. They will know who you are. And if you need a loan or something like that, it's somebody that you will sit down with face-to-face as opposed to hopping on Zoom or dealing with uh, mark, uh, people over the phone and customer service reps and, and bots. Nope, not that. You go to a Priority One bank and they will make you their priority with face-to-face, in-person, friendly communication, which not every bank can say, at least in my experience. Priority One Bank making you their priority. The podcast is also brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. If your business is located anywhere in Mississippi and you need technology for that business. Copiers and printers and mail machines, cloud storage, data security, phone systems, IT projects, if it's tech, if it's in the office and your business needs it and you're here in Mississippi, check them out online, absms.com. That's the website. Tell them I sent you. You'll get a complimentary office technology assessment. So you tell them what you need and what your budget is and they will find a solution for you on me, advantage.com business systems. Here it is without further ado the live chat, Tuesday live chat talking a lot about Old Miss, state other stuff in the SEC as well. Here that is. We'll be back tomorrow with keys to the game for Georgia Tech. So you guys then enjoy this podcast. Conference play begins this weekend, I think. I think the most interesting game is Mississippi State LSU in the SEC this weekend. I think I mean, Florida, Tennessee, if you're older, Florida, Tennessee has nostalgia and like old school feel to it. So maybe that grabs some of you, but it's not grabbing me really at all. Although the line of that game is a little bit fishy. Excuse me. The line in that game is a little bit fishy. It is, if I remember correctly, and I'm pulling it up now so I don't have to just guess, uh, is only 7 is Tennessee minus seven or six and a half at Florida. So maybe, uh, maybe the odds makers know something that I don't, but uh, aside from that, I I really do think that Mm. Mississippi state LSU might be the most interesting game of, of the weekend, like in college football. I know game day and big noon kickoff is over at Boulder, but you know, and maybe there's some local bias, but there's that to talk about injuries uh, in Oxford as well. Um, Apparently, Quinshawn Judkins was practicing today, but in a non-contact jersey. I don't think there's really much to worry about there. Um, the, the Trey Harris status is up in the air. I've I've heard some things, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about that later. Is Akari Franklin also practicing? So maybe he's back. Caden Priestcorn, we'll talk about all that as, uh, as well. So whatever you guys uh, bring up in the chat as well. But those are things I want to hit on tonight. The high points is conference play starting today. And injuries uh, in Oxford but as you guys know you will drive the conversation so let's um, let's get started I do want to start with a thought though uh, on that that Mississippi State LSU game how about that we'll start there and then I'll start reading some of your comments um, I saw a stat today and I know that each game is different I am fully aware that how a team plays in one game is not how they're going to play in every game. How a team conducts offense, the plays that are called, the personnel, all that changes from week to week. So I understand that. However, this was glaring to me. Shout out to Clark Brooks, SEC Stat Cat for this one. He's the guy that charts all of the passes in the SEC and and does all of like here's the play concepts they ran and the percentage of throws that went certain amount of yards down the field and adjusted completion, he's that guy. He, he's the stat guy. Will Rogers threw 17 passes on Saturday, only four of which traveled further than 10 yards down the field through the air. Now, Zach Arnett and both Kevin, Bar- Kevin Barbet now have talked openly about they went too conservative in that game and they need to open it up. However, there's this, and we got a few texts about it on the radio show, is Well, what if they were just hiding things for LSU? I don't buy into that when it's a one-score game, when it's a Power 5 team that took you to overtime. Um, That has got to change, though. And so I expect it to, but it needs to. And I am surprised that we are already in Week 2 talking about that when all offseason it was about how great this wide receiver core is and how this offense is going to test teams vertically. And then you get a Power 5 game against a team that can beat you, and it's a close game, and you throw four passes that travel further than 10 yards in the air, I promise you, I promise you that you have zero shot. I I mean 0%. You have a 0% chance of beating LSU if you only throw four passes that travel further than 10 yards down the field. I'm not talking about go routes like you just throw a 40-yard bomb 10 times a game. But I promise you, if you are that conservative and you think that you're just going to line up and run on LSU and just kind of dink and dunk, just little dump off passes where the majority of your passes are thrown at the line of scrimmage, then you're going to lose and you're going to lose badly. So I am very interested to see how Mississippi State and how Kevin Barbe adjust because if they don't, they are screwed. I suspect that they will, but I'm curious to see uh, how much they do because they're not winning Saturday, you know, with that offensive approach uh, whatsoever. Saw that stat today, uh, lead, uh, led with that, and I'll tell you what, actually, I'll just lead with both things there in the topic, and then I'll get to your comments. I'm calling audibles here, uh, because why not? So, on the injury front with Ole Miss, I have not heard anything, uh, quote-unquote, bad about Quinchon. Uh, I'd I mean I like everybody else saw uh, during the game that towards the end of it he looked like he was kind of uh, in pain a little uncomfortable but I don't I have not heard anything about it being any kind of long-term injury again r- reporting is that he uh, participated in practice today in a non-contact jersey but if he's practicing then obviously it's not something significant so for for whatever that's worth uh, rumors about Trey Harris were flying on Saturday, uh, Saturday. I had somebody tell me that it was season ending and I had somebody tell me that it was, uh, four weeks. I do, I, it's not season ending, um, barring something that has completely changed. It, it sounds like it's more of a, a few week deal, uh, with Trey Harris. I don't have a diagnosis. This is all second, third hand information at best. At absolute best, it's more like third or fourth. But it sounds like um, that that is not something that is season-ending. And I know that was a rumor that was going around on Saturday. I do not believe that rumor to be true. I don't think anybody's really kind of carried that on. But I know in New Orleans, that was flying around like crazy. That, oh, I heard he's done for the year. I don't think that that is the case, but I could be wrong. Um, On Priest Corn, it doesn't sound like he's going to play this weekend. But everything on that note sounds like the recovery timeline is still on time. That's kind of a bad sentence. Forgive me for that. But it does apparently sound like the recovery timeline is very much still what it was before. So may not play this weekend. Um, I don't think he's going to play this weekend. I could be wrong. But there is nothing that I have heard that leads you to believe that there was any kind of a setback for what it's worth. And I know Zachary Franklin practiced uh, today. I don't know what his availability is for Saturday, but him practicing and participating in practice leads you to believe that he is at least getting close to playing, and they need him to with Trey Harris's absence. Um, and, and we don't know what he's like yet. We don't know what he's capable of, but there's a reason they recruited him heavily. He's a highly productive receiver at, at UTSA. They need that body in the receiver room. They need reliable hands in the receiver room right now. And so him practicing – you know, one plus one sometimes equals two if he's participating in practice, even with a non-contact jersey, logic tells you that he would be close to um, to practicing. So there you go. Not much, but, you know, something, I suppose. All right. To the messages. All I heard from Tulane students was beat Ole Miss. I'd expect better vocabulary from a private school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so what I've learned, guys, is um, – It's easier and better for me if I get the stream ready, and you know, wrap up what I'm doing, put a little guy to bed, stuff like that, and have it ready so I can come come here, sit down, press play, as opposed to like getting all that done and trying to scramble to get everything done. It's just a little bit easier. So it will show up on your um, on your feed before it's actually live. Uh, Unfortunately, just with you know me. Myself and, and him, that's kind of kind of how it's going to have to be. Some nights where I'm just going to get it set up when I have a free second and then come back to it when I can get him to bed. So, anyway. So, Georgia Tech, my thoughts. My thoughts are that it's a perfect opportunity for Ole Miss to have a get-right game. That's what this Saturday needs to be. And, and mostly I'm really talking about you know, the offensive line and, and the running game. And just like what I said with Mississippi State, the way Ole Miss tried to present itself on Saturday, I don't think will be the – like, they're going to change things. They're going to self-scout. They're going to scout their opponent. They're going to make adjustments because that's what that's what you do. That's what everybody does. I'm curious to see what those are. Uh, I expect a heavy dose of run game in this game. I expect them to do a little bit. Uh, what I'm curious to see is if they believe that this is a persistent problem or an easily correctable problem. Like, if the way they played at Tulane is who they are, how they choose to adjust to that. Will it be, excuse me, will it be like a a short passing game, quick passes, get the ball out, um, start trying to use the edges more and, and use more jet sweeps and things like that, get out on the perimeter? Are they going to use more screens to help alleviate the pressure on the offensive line? Or... Do they think that they can correct what went wrong? Huh. Professional talker. Cannot talk. Um, analyzing what went wrong, thinking they can fix it, and then just lining up and running right at Georgia Tech. Uh, this is the kind of game where you can do stuff like that, I think. that You are better than Georgia Tech. They will be outmatched. They are improved from last year, don't get me wrong, but – um, it's a perfect opportunity for a get right game in front of what possibly be could what possibly could be a sold out crowd. I mean they're trending in that direction. the weather's going to be beautiful so' um, I'm, I will be watching closely on what kind of adjustments they've made if they've made any at all but they can't continue on like that if they want to win games and, and they know that but it was not a good showing up front on uh, on Saturday. Although, and then there's there's this idea that, you know, I saw it in a couple of places. It was even said on on our radio show. The where is Quinshawn? Where's Judkins? Why isn't he showing up? They threw for what 500 yards in the first game. He averaged like six and a half per carry, or whatever it was. It doesn't matter. They threw for 500 yards in the first game, and Alvin Kamara could have snuck onto the sideline because he's serving a suspension. And played behind that offensive line on Saturday and not performed well. Uh, Okay, so this idea that, well, Judkins isn't producing and what's wrong with him? Nothing's wrong with him. They got whooped up front. Running backs can't perform to the best of their ability unless the offensive line is producing. Uh, So... No, I, I don't think that he has dropped off at all. I think the play in front of him, at least through two weeks, has dropped off to some degree. And and we'll see if they can correct that. But this idea that where's Quinshawn, Um Bentley needs to step up. You think Ulysses Bentley would have fared better on Saturday? No. The answer is no, but anyway really unfortunate situation with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets love watching him play quarterback that injury looked like look just like what Kevin Durant had wonder if we'll see him play again at all aside from feeling terrible for Jets fans uh I counted today I think it was since 1986 if I remember correctly they have had six 10 win seasons or more since 1986 and 10 win seasons aren't really that good in the NFL It is a franchise that has been a disaster, an absolute disaster for so long. And they finally have what they think is the coach, the right coach. And they finally build a defense that's really, really good. And then they draft well and they have a wide receiver and they have a pair of running backs. And then here comes this quarterback in his prime. I know he's older, But Rodgers is still playing really well. Prime, that was a bad word to use, but you guys get my point. He is still on top of his game. He's still playing really well. He can absolutely still win a Super Bowl. And he has a really good offseason, and he acclimates well, and you get hard knocks, and the country kind of, despite people on Twitter celebrating yesterday, most sports fans were like, you know, I actually kind of like this Rodgers guy now. Hard knocks was really good for Aaron Rodgers, I think. And then on 9-11, in MetLife, and he he carries the flag onto the field. And it's just this culmination of of pain and suffering that Jets fans have dealt with for so long, ending, and then they get the most devastating injury, considering the offseason hype and, and everything. Just heartbreaking for Jets fans. Horrible. I feel so bad for them. They're cursed. They are cursed. You can't be live-streaming when we have the United States national team playing the powerhouse from Oman. Yeah, honestly, I thought about putting that on up here. uh, But, man, there's nothing to learn from games like that. I am a bad fan, though, not watching this week. Or not watching this game. Um, I did see the Uzbekistan game. And they scored on Mexico today, right? So uh, we are already uh, better than Mexico. But anyway. SEC and National Slate looking pretty weak this coming weekend. I'm honestly not thinking this is a chaos weekend, except for things getting weird in Gainesville. I cannot trust Joe Milton at all. Either can I, not yet anyway. Um, you know, Minnesota, North Carolina could be interesting. I think that could be, you know, something. BYU-Arkansas is the kind of game that you're not looking forward to, but you look up and it might also, you know, be a lot of fun. but yeah a lot is being left this weekend's not good let's just every college football weekend is good we enjoy it we love it you know it's our favorite sport all that this weekend though is um not good not good at all does anybody know about the matt corral situation uh no uh, i don't think so um here's what i'll say and again i don't know what's going on i have no idea but as a general as a general principle if somebody and again i don't know i have no idea so i'm just as a broad example if somebody is going through a, a mental health situation it's i don't think it's necessary for us to know If he is having some kind of a, whatever it may be, if if he is going through something mentally, I don't think it's, it'd be different if it was an injury, you know, like, oh, he, he turned his ankle and now he can't play in the football game that, that kind of stuff I get, or if he committed a crime, that is also like a story, right. That, that people need to know. If it's somebody that stepped away because of something going on mentally, I think that's about all we need to know. Um, That's just my personal opinion. Uh, There are journalists, and I'm not a journalist. I'm a commentator, although I did go to journalism school. There are people that would disagree with that. I don't think it's the public's business um, because it doesn't involve uh, an injury or a crime. I think when you're talking about delicate situations like mental health, it's best that they are just left to very little detail. And and the people around – he and the people around him – hopefully are addressing whatever it is to the best of their ability. But whatever it is, I just, you know, unless he wants to share what's going on with him, if it's a personal thing, I don't think it's our business to know. East looks weak. Could be a big game. The East really does look bad outside of Georgia, of course. Do I think this game will define Mississippi State season? I do not. I think the game at South Carolina will define Mississippi State season. Uh. Going into year one under Zach Arnett, I thought this game was going to be a loss for Mississippi State. And I think that, or going into the season, I thought that they could lose this game and still meet all of their goals going into the season. Losing to LSU, again, in year one with a new head coach is not something to be ashamed of. It's, it's, not, a, it's not bad. It's, it's okay. Like No losses are okay, but you guys get my point. It's, it's easy to digest if State loses to LSU this weekend. The South Carolina game is where you want to talk about defining games here. It's the South Carolina game in week four. That's the one that that I am circling and underlining twice, that this game, the result of this game, is going to truly tell me about this team and its ability to meet its goals. Now, if LSU blows them out, if it's like 42-3 to three or whatever, then you've got serious problems. But let's pretend that they lose by the spread. If it's 31-21. I just, I don't, I'm not going to, if it's like that, I'm not going to sit here with you guys on Sunday and say, they stink, that's a bad loss, they're terrible, I'm not going to do that. If they score points and they just lose the game, okay. If they get blown out and the offense doesn't move the football at all, then it's time for a concern. The South Carolina game is the one that is going to kind of define things uh, for, for Mississippi State. You're rolling with LSU to win and cover. You like the Tigers by 14 to 17 points. Don't think State can score on LSU. The Ole Miss Cole Kublik beef. Oh, boy. So, yeah, Cole Kublik's calling the Ole Miss game this weekend. Here's what I will say. Because at the time of that Arkansas broadcast, I said on Twitter and on the radio show that the conversation that they had on that broadcast I thought was deeply unprofessional. Because they did. Talk about Lane to Auburn, which is fair game because he was, as we've been over a thousand times, he was entertaining Auburn. There's no doubt about it. He was. So talking, mentioning that on the broadcast makes sense. But it was absolutely discussed him taking Judkins and Dart with him. That was absolutely unequivocally talked about. By Jordan Rodgers and Tom Hart. Cole Kublick did not talk about Lane taking Ole Miss players with him to Auburn. He didn't. Him personally, he did not do it. If you go back and, and watch the game, because I did. Because I thought I remembered him also being in that conversation. He didn't go there. Rodgers and Hart did. And, and that clip is floating around online again today. So they did, and it's undeniable what they said. And I thought at the time it was deeply unprofessional. I've had days where I've been deeply unprofessional. I have said things. I have had segments. I have had days. I have had weeks that I wish I could take back in my time at Super Talk. So I'm not going to hold one bad show or one bad broadcast against those guys, but I thought it was deeply unprofessional, and they shouldn't have gone there And I have reason to believe that they were told never to go there again. But Cole didn't talk about bringing Dart and Judkins with Kiffin to Auburn. He didn't. He even talked about the benefits that Ole Miss present to Lane if he were to stay. The broadcast is unprofessional. Cole's not the guy you should be angry with, if you are. At least, in my opinion. But again, I've had bad days. That was a bad bad show on their part. Lane could have helped that. He didn't. But that was a bad show on their part. But I like Tom Hart a lot. And frankly, I like Cole Kubelik a lot. And I like what ESPN did on the day of the Egg Bowl. They brought it up at the very beginning of the broadcast, and they said, we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on the play on the field, and that's what this is going to be. One plus one equals two. They said that at the start of the Egg Bowl because – I promise you, again, I'm connecting dots here. They may not exist. I could be wrong. Maybe ESPN or or the SEC Network slapped him on the hiney and told him that it was great. I don't believe that was the case. And the statement that was right at the beginning of the Egg Bowl is a perfect example of why I think what I think. But anyway, um, they had a bad night. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't be welcome to Oxford this weekend. It's going to be okay. You're directing your anger at the wrong guy of those three, though. It's the other two that that you should be upset with, if you are. You also like Georgia Tech plus 20. It's a sandwich game between two big ones, and Georgia Tech isn't awful. Rebs win by two touchdowns, maybe a little more. Kevin Barbe kind of sounded like Joe Moorhead. That's not what state fans want to hear right now. Every team in the SEC has major concerns. Even now, even Georgia has looked bad on offense to start games. They absolutely have. Uh, we'll see this weekend how uh, if Kirby has their attention a little bit. And I know South Carolina is not particularly good, but we are going to get a good look at, uh, at Georgia when they're facing a real opponent. And if those uh, offensive woes to start games are just because they've played UT Martin in Ball State, or are those offensive woes early in games? Because they're not particularly good on offense. We will find out on Saturday. But, yes, South Carolina does offer little, little resistance. um, Or at least they should, anyway, to that Georgia team. If LSU got smart and lined up Harold Perkins at the edge, instead of dropping him into coverage, they could maul State up front, but Brian Kelly chooses differently, I guess. I would be shocked if they use him the same way again. I will be shocked. Truly, genuinely shocked if they use him in the way they did against Florida State again. Kansas State minus five at Missouri is free money. You heard Neil McCready say he's heard Drinkwitz isn't safe even with the stupid extension. They are awful. Maybe Vandy could beat them. But he's got a losing record or had a losing record at Missouri going into this season. Uh, Then why the hell did they give him an extension last year? What an absolute waste of money. Why are athletic departments so stupid? Ross Bjork did it with with Jimbo in August, giving him a million and a half dollar raise and an extension in August when nobody was competing against him and nobody was trying to take Drinkwitz from Missouri either, and they still give him a raise in an extension. What are you doing? At least, in Ole Miss's case, Auburn was there, you know? That makes sense. Nobody wanted Eli Drinkwitz. Nobody wanted Jimbo, and they did it anyway. So stupid. Does State open up the passing game this week? They have to. It's a requirement. They have to. And, you know, Will Rogers at the – Look, I know that people will pull out, like, cumulative stats and and things like that. I I know they will because they've done it. But against the better teams that State played a year ago, he had a reluctance to throw the football down the field. That cannot exist anymore. They've got to call it, and he's got to execute it. And the thing is, like, talent-wise, he's capable. I, I, I don't understand it, but... They they have to open up the passing game this week, or they are going to get beat soundly. Marks is a good back, but you you can't be one dimensional against this LSU team. You can't keep everything at the line of scrimmage against this LSU team. If if you when you throw the ball, it doesn't travel. go LSU put ten guys in the box, and they'll win one on ones because they're that talented. They will do. The, they will do the same thing to Ole Miss too if Ole Miss is one dimensional. So you know, no accusations needed, and you would never will. You're. I, that's not what I'm saying, but a defense this talented and you allow them to put nine, ten guys in the box and, and you don't test them vertically, it'd be a mistake. Something no one has talked about is Graham Mertz has thrown for a bunch more yards than Joe Milton through two games. Yeah, I didn't think Mertz was that bad against Utah even. I mean, it wasn't good, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he was that bad. Milton's still inconsistent things are going to get realer for Tennessee after their bye week with a at Alabama at Kentucky that's when things will get real for them and that's when we'll find out pray the offensive line does get right they need to um they can play better than they did because we've seen like Micah Pettis do it better than he did it on Saturday You're confident they will get the offensive line better by LSU because they have talent, most of which played last year and played well. think it might be technique and effort. If it's effort, then that's an issue, though. You know what I mean? If if you can't, guy, can't get guys to get up and play against a ranked team on the road, then what are you doing that's causing them not to be up for a matchup like that? Do I think that Triggs' touchdown gave Kiffin confidence in calling more tight end-involved plays for this week and the season moving forward? I mean that's something that he always wants to do and has always wanted to do. Um, it's just been personnel's been the issue recently. Um, Trigg's going to have to stay and block some too if he wants to be a complete tight end in this offense, though. I mean that's the thing he he runs routes and, and stuff like that, but can they rely on him to, you know, stay inside and, and block and, and be a protector and be reliable there? Um, Priestkorn being back will will be huge for this team next week when, when it happens. Anything Trigg does when Priestkorn's healthy is just a luxury at, at that point. Priestkorn's the much more complete tight end. South Carolina plus 27.5 is kind of interesting. Kirby does run it up on Beamer, especially for some reason. I guess he doesn't like him or something. I don't know. Carolina won't be able to protect Rattler or Run at all. Absolutely not. Furman's defensive front gave them fits for a while. You could see old Miss giving Zachary Franklin a couple of drives or plays to see how he does against Georgia Tech. Um, if he's cleared because he was in non-contact practice today, as was Quinchon, as, uh, as as you mentioned there. But is he ready? Is he cleared for contact? I don't know. Tulane is the single game we have to judge on the running game. I agree with that. I mean, they threw for a billion yards against Mercer. They could have run like hell if they wanted to. Also, is it a full Achilles tear on Rodgers? Yeah, he's done. He's done. Hey Jets, take a look at Mr. Swag Kelly. Yeah, you know, I've I've seen people say that. Had somebody text me about that as well. Um, asked me what his chances were, and um. 30-year-old quarterbacks from the Canadian Football League who had a chance in the NFL in it after having multiple chances in college in it are not going to be a team's first phone call. Um, I, I, you know, Maybe they end up doing it. The talent was always there, but there's only so many chances that, that you can get before teams decide to make calls to other people. And he's talented, don't get me wrong, but he, his talent does not so far outweigh The downsides, like there are other talented quarterbacks that are out there that are possibly available that you don't have to fear on Halloween night of him going into a house that's not his and getting chased out with a vacuum pipe. You know what I mean? So. One too many opportunities and and maybe teams have, have kind of had enough and his age isn't helping either. God, the Jets won that game. I am, too. They deserved it. Josh Allen played horrible. Josh Allen uh, takes too many risks. He needs to settle down. Uh, he is He's too reckless with the football. They're not going to win a Super Bowl that way. If Arkansas is struggling with BYU, the Hogs are going to lose a lot of games this season. BYU is bad. I haven't seen them play yet, but I'll take your word for it. I have I, not... I watch as much football as any person on the planet, and I have yet to see BYU play. Well, this weekend, though, you bet Brandon Murray and Cissé get the Tez Walker treatment and find out they're not eligible until a couple of days to a week before game one. They're preparing as if they're not going to be eligible. So, for whatever that's worth. You think that's... The thing Lane lied about. You do think he somewhat knows what Matt Corral is going through, yet had enough wherewithal to avoid the question in his presser yesterday. Yeah, that was absolutely the right answer uh, from Lane is to not answer. It was absolutely the right answer. I, I'm sure I would be willing to bet he knows. Also, uh, they, they were really, really close. Um, that is not for. That is not the kind of thing for. Uh, Lane Kiffin to reveal it's not the kind of thing for me to reveal. If I did know, frankly, I wouldn't tell you guys. I don't, but but I wouldn't if it is what it possibly could be. Anyway, that was that was the right answer from from Lane. Unless the state defense is a fraud, you don't think LSU blow stayed out? I don't think they're a fraud. I do not think that they are a fraud. Tyler Siski took back his terrible take, though he still said that they're not good on defense one step at a time. We will soon see him say they're not bad, but average. Well, I mean, hey, look, they're going to experience growing pains, though. I mean, they're, they're going to play much better teams. They are going to play better teams. Teams are going to score on this Ole Miss defense. It's going to happen. They are they are not going to hold teams to 17 points every week. They're just or 20 points every week. It's not going to happen. They are improved from a year ago. That is clear. They are improved, but to we got to see more. We just we got to see more. LSU's too one dimensional to run it up on a good defense. Rogers and Hart should be under fire for that, aren't they? On the call this weekend, yes. Kublik is getting most of that smack because they forget he didn't talk about that too much. They see that he's an Auburn guy, so they assumed. That's kind of where this is coming from. You think Lane will help it more this year regarding his name to open programs? He needs to, but also, you know, um, what job is going to be open that would actually make sense this time? I don't know. This weekend could be Napier's last chance to get a big win and try to turn things around. I don't see much for Florida down the road. They'd have to catch Tennessee playing bad right now. I mean, there's, there's another question about buyout and stuff like that. I'm a big believer in Billy Napier, though. I, I don't think that two years is enough time to do anything at all. Look at Florida State and Mike Norville. Going to and Q after firing Mullen, who was good at Mississippi State, and firing McElwain and firing Muschamp. I mean, just on and on and on. Eventually, they're going to have to take a hard look in the mirror as to what they are because two years is not enough to build a football program. It's just simply not enough. AJ Finley was good last week, and that's good to hear. He's a good guy. Well, Rodgers might not have a strong arm, but he can throw the ball down the field just fine. Got to at least give your veteran guy a chance to prove himself. I do think there's some reluctance on his part as well, but. No, there's a bot in here. Let's go ahead and. Get rid of them. Did Jaden Williams get benched? I don't know what the deal is there. I mean, he played this much on Saturday, but I, I don't know how he could be any worse than than what you had in New Orleans. State nor LSU want to play from behind. State needs to jump out early. They haven't shown that they can do that yet. They have not. They absolutely have not. Mertz is the kind of quarterback where you need to pair him with a, a Judkins or a Jackson Smith and Jigba. You want him to not have to be the star, but be the guy to get the ball to said stars. They should they should be, uh, with Pirine, um, be good at running back. At least you would think so. But... All right, not P. Ryan, not P. Ryan, ETN. That's an old name. Going to go a bit of rapid fire here. Got to get going. One of the things I question about the Georgia Tech game is considering the struggle last week. Will Ole Miss play better and locked in with Bama next week? Kiffin has played at Vanilla before. I don't think they really have a choice. Uh, this Georgia Tech team is not somebody that you can that you can walk through. At least I don't think. Thoughts on Colorado? I know it's motivation for his team, but Deion is making me not pull for them. Yeah, Um, he is very good for college football because guys like him are good for all sports. Here's the thing about Deion Sanders. He is successful. He's very successful. He's very good at what he does. He's also, if we're being honest, kind of arrogant. And that arrogance is attractive to a lot of people. People love that persona. People love the the, the swagger. And a lot of people don't. And so that leads to polarization. And I think polarization is good. Not just as somebody that talks about this, but as a consumer of sport. Tiger Woods, before the injury and stuff, he was polarizing. Not everybody liked the way he acted. Brady was polarizing. For uh, the amount of people that love Tom Brady... He was hated, too. Remember all the stuff about Brady's a cheater, Brady's a cheater, all, all this. Those kind of guys, the successful guys with something extra, are really good for sports. They're entertaining as hell. We have not seen Dion lose yet. And, and what I mean by lose is not lose a game, but lose games. Struggle. We haven't seen that yet and how he's going to handle that. I'm curious to see how he's going to handle that because this team is not going to they're not going undefeated hate to tell you that they're not they're in the Pac-12 second best conference in America this year maybe they're going to lose games they're going to lose multiple games in a row this they disrespected me they disrespected me well there's going to come a Saturday where their his team is going to get disrespected on the field because they're getting their brains beat in. and how is that going to be handled is something I'm curious about but Yeah, I I think that he's good for the sport. He's polarizing, and polarization is good. He's entertaining to me, and and I think that he's going to win wherever he goes. But that's just me. Your friends were making fun of you for picking the Cowboys defense for your fantasy team. Haven't heard from them since. Oh, they're idiots. They're idiots. Colorado will name their score this weekend. Game day and Fox are just riding the hype right now. Yeah, that's not the best game of the weekend. But as you said, riding the hype, the ratings numbers speak for themselves. Who's willing to pay Lane more money? Only a handful of programs, honestly. You think unless things get ridiculous, Napier survives, but you don't see him making it past 24? Me either. Uh, The Kubelik-Ole Miss controversy. So I I talked about it earlier, but I'll rehash it quickly. During the Arkansas-Ole Miss game last year, it was a blowout, and it was obvious that Lane to Auburn was a big storyline. And during the game... They were talking about that, and at one point during the game, Jordan Rodgers and Tom Hart opined over what Ole Miss players Lane would take with him to Auburn, including Jackson Dart and Quinshawn Judkins, during a game in which Ole Miss was playing, where Jackson Dart and Quinshawn Judkins were on the field conducting offense while they said that. It's an unprofessional thing. Ole Miss fans are not happy that that crew is calling their game this weekend, and there there you go. But – As I said before, if you go back and listen, Kublick did not participate in the who's Lane taking with him to Auburn conversation. He did not, but he's an Auburn alum, played at Auburn, and so he's catching heat for things that he didn't say that other two guys said and they need to be catching heat for. You think the defensive line is a step slow? They are better at getting to the quarterback than last year but aren't fast enough to take them down yet. I'm not prepared to say if they're if they're slow or not I'm not I'm not there yet I'm not there yet you're not a huge Dion fan you're kind of neutral but cannot deny that you have and will continue to watch a lot of Colorado this season that's what I'm talking about polarization polarization they assume since yeah yeah already covered that Can you blame him? Ole Miss has got to prove that they can win the big games. I mean, in fairness to Lane Kiffin, because people say that a lot, and I don't quite understand where that's coming from. Lane hasn't won the big one yet. So was that game in Knoxville not big? He's beaten everybody in the West but Alabama. Were none of those wins big? He's beaten his in-state rival twice. He's beaten LSU. He's beaten Auburn. He's beaten Arkansas. Were those not big wins? I I just, I don't think that narrative is exactly fair. When people say he hasn't won the big one, they're saying that he hasn't beaten Alabama yet. Because otherwise, I don't think that's a fair criticism. But anyway, I got to run. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I appreciate you like the video. All that good stuff. See you Thursday night. Uh, For another edition of uh, the live chat. I'll see you then. Y'all have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.